Magnificent morning, folks. This is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Her is an acronym for Heroic, Empowering, and Resilient. And this is a self-acceptance, women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story, an illness, a financial burden, or a dead-end job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you have hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you are facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they used their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you, because you are her heroic, empowering, and resilient. Welcome, 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 folks. It is January. It is still the top in the beginning of the year. It may just be me, but I already feel like I'm six months in 2019, and January feels like the longest month ever. Um, So I have with me Kalan. Kalan, how are you feeling at the beginning of the year? Hi, I'm wonderful. Honestly, I'm in a period of transition. Um, I just moved geographic locations for a little while, so that's been kind of tumultuous, but it's also exciting because there's new opportunities, there's new people to meet, there's new places to eat, so I'm super excited for all of that. Okay, dope. So I know originally you were in Miami, right? Have you moved out of state or to another town? Yes, so um, I've been in Miami for the past seven years, um, and I do intend to go back, but three months, I am in Washington, D.C. for a fellowship program. Okay, that's awesome. That sounds very, very exciting. Um, Like, my best friend actually was in D.C. for a couple of years, so that's exciting, and D.C. within itself has a lot of opportunities for people of color, so we can actually, we can tap into that this episode as well, so that's really exciting. Um, so ladies and gents, as I've mentioned, I have with me Kilan Ashad Bishop, Dr. Kilan Ashad Bishop, is that correct? <laughs> it, it is, it is. It's new, so I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> right, right. That is awesome. So Kilan is a doctor of philosophy. Um, she just recently wrapped up her doctoral degree in cancer biology from the University of Miami School of Medicine, Black Girl Magic in itself, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, so Kilan. Congratulations. That's really awesome. Um Thank you so much. No problem, no problem. Your field within itself and its journey, I can imagine, is very powerful beyond measure. So thank you in advance just for sharing and joining us again today. Um this episode thank you for having me. Oh yeah, no problem. This episode I I wanna tap into a few things and that's not only including your story and your journey, you know, that's led you here to your work, but also your plans for the future. Because in our previous conversation, um, you seemed really enthused and just excited about our youth and the future and what that has to bring. So um, 
I want to go into STEM education within the black community and just the importance of encouraging our youth and those around us. So if guys, if you are tuning in right now, STEM and STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, this field is male dominated and also blacks and Hispanics are underrepresented within this field overall throughout the country. I was reading in an article the other day that when individuals were asked about the underlying reasons why Blacks and Hispanics are underrepresented in this type of work, those working in STEM pointed out the root factors um, in education, like educational opportunities, right? And some felt that, well, 52% of those with a STEM job say a major reason for this underrepresentation is because Blacks and Hispanics are less likely to have access to quality education that prepares them for these fields, while 45% attribute these disparities to these groups not being encouraged enough. We're not encouraged enough within our communities that, you know, that you're smart enough or that you're capable of actually doing this work in and to pursue STEM-related jobs. So in our communities, we know for a fact that typically kids, they're encouraged, you know, to be athletes, right? Especially our young black boys to play basketball, to play football. And of course, it's important to work hard and embrace your talents, whatever they may be, whether it be sports or athletics or, you know, whatever you're interested in. But also, I think it's even more important for us to encourage education and just to introduce other options to them because we see it every year. There are hundreds and thousands of talented kids out there, but only a few hundred actually make it and go on to the pros. So I just wanted to um, open that up, open that research up and those statistics out just so we could get the conversation flowing into what I wanted to talk about today. Um, So I definitely feel that there's a need for racially and ethnically diverse mentors to attract more blacks to to STEM related jobs. And there's also limited access to advanced science courses that may be disproportionately affected within our community. So I wanted to ask you, what are your plans to encourage and educate our youth in regards to pursuing STEM-related jobs? Okay, well, that's a great question. Luckily, I don't have the burden of increasing the representation of minority groups by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what I have tried to do and what I continue to do, even though I finished uh, school, is just show up and be visible. There are so many children and so many adults that I meet who will tell me you are the first black scientist or black woman scientist that I've ever met, if not just the first scientist that yeah. I've ever had a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is due to like the work that we do and you know, a lot of science kind of being based in like labs. So we don't have those jobs where we're out being social outside of the community. Um and we don't have those identifying factors like a lab coat where, you know, you're, you're dealing with a medical doctor that you just wear on the train. Um, so, yeah, I think the most important thing that, that I exert my energy uh, toward is just showing up and being vocal about the fact that I'm a scientist. And we are here and there are more of us. Um, and I think social media has been really important in kind of fostering that community. There's a lot, especially now, not so much when I started my training now, there's a lot of social media pages that are dedicated to showcasing 
black and brown uh, people who are pursuing, you know, medical or scientific fields. Um, and so visibility is there when it may not have been before. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But overwhelmingly, just in like the sphere of K-12 education and higher education now, there are a lot of conversations about pushing kids into STEM and having them study STEM. And even if they don't study STEM, giving them the tools to, to develop a scientific mindset and question what's around them. Uh, and that's really important. There are, there's a lot of data that children need to be exposed to, if you want, you know, your kid to be a scientist, they have to right. be exposed really early. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like, you know, fostering interest and kind of creating that very questioning mindset. Um, but then, as you said, it's also about making sure that they are adequately prepared academically to be successful in these fields. And, you know, a field like mine, I've been in school for a long time. I had to get my, obviously, high school diploma, then my bachelor's degree, which I got in biology, and then a PhD to even enter the field. Like, this is the start of Mm -hmm. my career. Um, And so, you know, you don't kind of wake up one morning and go, that's what I want to do. You have to have a plan. Mm -hmm. It's hard to develop a plan if you don't have the people around you who can help you inform that plan. Uh, help you develop that or help you implement it when you reach those bumps along the road. Um, And so, you know, like I was saying, there are multiple programs, whether it be K-12 outreach programs to help kids become more proficient in scientific concepts. Um, There are programs to help undergraduates interested in STEM, um, interested in majoring in STEM, or, you know, to help them be successful along the way, the programs to help them prosper. There are programs to increase diversity in faculty uh, in STEM fields and really just across academia, period, to make sure that people have a mentor that looks like them or can relate to their experience. And there are some people who don't think that's important, but it really is because, you know, we know that you can't be what you don't see. Exactly. And so the same yeah. way, right, so the mm-hmm. same way that I'm showing up to, you know, outreach events going, hi, I'm a black female scientist, and just kind of making that feasible and tangible, mm-hmm. you know, that, that continues to be important at all levels of education. Right. There's, um, like, there's so much importance, like you said, in showing up and showing up because if you're not exposed to it if you're in an environment of seeing people that don't look like you in these type of fields then you feel as though that you're inferior or that you're not good enough or that you can't be that you know people imitate and they're influenced by what they see so um yeah i think that's like that's one of the most important things that you said and the easiest to showing up most definitely Mm mm-hmm for sure, you know, and it's not, it's obviously, people in STEM fields have a lot to do, right? Mm-hmm. They tend to have very taxing jobs. Um, and so, you know, it's not always feasible to be a direct mentor and be showing up eight to ten hours out of a week or out of a month um, for an individual child. But just honestly showing your face or doing something very much like this podcast, telling your story can like make all of the difference so I think that's like the easiest thing it's one of the things I do and I think like you said it's one of the easiest things that other people can do to spread the word and kind of inspire this this interest or this continued action yeah so you also um mentioned that 
STEM is not just something that you wake up one day and you're like, okay, hey, I want to do this. That, you know, it takes you being educated and influenced at a very young age. So who influenced you? Like, was it a woman or a male, a person of color? Did you see something that was on TV? Like, what sparked your interest within this field as an adolescent or a child? You know, it's funny because I just recently graduated, like you said, um, and so my graduation dinner was my family recounting stories about how I was a naturally curious child. I had questions about everything. <laughs> and, when I say, and when I say everything, like, it could have been a snail on the ground, which I actively remember, like, picking them up and playing with them. Um, all the way to, like, questions when we would take my grandfather to the hospital. Like, I had real questions. Mm -hmm. And outside of having those questions, I had my questions answered. And what's interesting about that is, like, you might think if I say that, that there are scientists in my family or doctors in my family. No. My mother has a doctor in education. My father's a former athlete. He's into the sports. Um, my aunt and grandmother... Um, nobody, nobody is, I think there's one scientist in my family that I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't spend much time around before she passed. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even about necessarily seeing other scientists. It was very much about me having a natural curiosity, having a natural inclination, and also a gift for math and science. And then having those interests fostered by those around me. They were buying telescopes that they didn't know how they worked and letting me figure it out. I they love were buying that. Rock yes. Yeah, they were mm -hmm. buying rock collections. Um, you know, I have, I actually had like it with me. I keep it with me. It was like a set of crystals. And I select crystals now, but like, back then, <laughs> they were buying me. Yeah, they were buying me like collections. Um, and, you know, just making sure that if I ever wanted an experience or, or had an interest in something, that they were just doing something, even if it wasn't the right thing, because, like, who knows, mm -hmm. uh, to foster that uh, and to make sure that, you know, I had the opportunity. Um, and that, you know, translated to playing a very active role in my education, making sure that in K-12, I was constantly being challenged until I could make sure that I was being challenged on my own. Um, so, like, you know, showing up to school in those parent-teacher conferences, my mom was very involved because, like I said, doctor of education, and she was actually my principal at a point, so she was all in the business gotcha yeah um, <laughs> my mom was actually was, a teacher so that i understand <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i mean but like you know it's good because mm -hmm. you don't know that you might not know that you're receiving a subpar education right, right? you're just kind of mm -hmm. like this is what school is it very much takes adults around you to confirm your suspicions and right. be like no mm -hmm. you deserve more and let's get you more because i'm an adult and i can say things that you can't because you need to respect your elders right yeah. um, and so you know basically the only reason that i'm here is because i have very strong advocates that taught me how to advocate for myself down mm -hmm. the line without that without them I probably would have, honestly, I probably would have quit a long time ago because it's been like a long, tough road. And that's not specific to STEM. That's like higher education in general. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you really have to have like a little bit of fire in you. You have to be resilient. Right. And that's learned behavior. Most definitely. Um, when I was thinking so about um, like 
trying to get through a a tough day the other day you know i was just really tired and exhausted and me and you we've shared conversations before about how our lives are like really busy and (laughs) everything is all over the place at times but it was one day i was just really tired and i felt overwhelmed and then when i sat back and i thought about it i'm like okay well all throughout elementary school and college and when i went to um when i received my master's i pushed myself right I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning to study or I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning to work out when I was in grad school I worked a full-time job then I would go to class from 6 to 8 30 still went to the gym still went back home and worked on my thesis and projects and things of that nature but as you stated it's learned behavior so sometimes it takes like you reflecting and looking back at these things that help push you and shift you to accomplish goals so that's like yeah that's definitely um something that stood you know stood out to me when you mentioned that and I wanted to also say too that it sometimes it really does you know take like a village to I guess to raise a child and encourage a child and push a child and what's stuck out to me also was the fact that you realized the importance of mentorship and now you had that torch to kind of like carry on you know you were very you're very grateful I can hear that you had that parents and that support system to push you but we know that sometimes there are children and people out there who don't necessarily have that so when we see that the lack of their um them being motivated or having that uh that type of system i think it's kind of like our not our responsibility but kind of is our responsibility you know to help and to push those that didn't have or don't have that support system that we have too for sure Mm -hmm. and you know i think what's also important is that to realize that all mentorship is not good mentorship Mm-hmm. No, real good, real mentorship, good mentorship encourages your dream. Yeah, subpar mentorship imposes what others want for you, yes. and you know discounts or ignores what you actually want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know it should be said that like while people may thirst for mentorship, people who do not have that like robust support network, it's very important to still be discerning. And be able to recognize when somebody is not a good mentor, whether it is, you know, just ignorance or whether it's malicious, um, and be able to distance yourself from that probably not productive relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy that you pointed that out as well, because it's it can be difficult to decipher between the two, you know, Um, sometimes we have those bad apples along the way and. Speaking of, you know, like bad apples, uh, <laughs> I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to bring up, you know, you mentioned like the difficulties within your journey and just it being difficult, even not really just focusing on, you know, in the STEM field, just higher education in general, but just like those barriers, you know, um, you being in a white male dominated field and also just the statistics of the representation of women and not only women you being a black woman as well like 
were you ever put into different situations where you felt as though you were affected by racial discrimination or that you had to work like 10 times as hard as anyone else within your field or like has your race or ethnicity made your job success harder in any type of way? So, you know, let me to my own horn for a second and just say that I dream very big. Mm-hmm. I always have. <laughs> um, and I think that that in itself has made my journey very difficult. Yeah. Um, I'm in minority mentorship and I've had very few men. I've had other people who would call themselves, you know, my mentors. Mm-hmm. But I've had very few people who I would call mentors because there's been very few people who would encourage the totality of my dreams, even if they don't understand them. Right. Like the way that my family did when I was younger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a field where I very much can to change the world, to contribute to, you know, innovation that could help people. And there are a lot of people who don't, even in the field, who don't understand that because that's not what drives them. That's not their motivation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have that. And then you mentioned the intersections of being a woman and being black. And, you know, it's very easy for me to sit up and say, like, yes, I've dealt with certain things and I have definitely dealt with a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely bigger than me. Uh, I'm actually working in the National Academy of Sciences right now as a, as a science policy fellow. And what they do is they, do, they release a series of reports that are evidence-based and neutral and, you know, hopefully can affect policy. Last year, they released a report on sexual harassment of women in science, engineering, and medicine. And what they found was that 58% of women, faculty, and staff in academia, like not limited to STEM, Mm -hmm. had experienced sexual harassment. But then women of color had experienced more harassment. Oh, my gosh. Sexual or racial or ethnic or a combination of the team. And to me, yeah. what's been exactly, mm-hmm. and to me, what's been the hardest thing along this whole way is figuring out when something happens to you, did it happen because I'm just I have too much personality and they don't know what to do with me? Mm-hmm. Did it happen because I'm black and there's not that many of us here? Did it happen because I'm a woman and this is an environment where like masculine characteristics are propped up as like being proximal to success? Mm-hmm. It's like a constant pressure and it's a con- it's constant like wheels turning to figure out why are these things happening? Are they happening to anyone else? Should I talk about them? Because I don't want to draw attention to myself and make it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> long, the long answer to essentially say yes, the various facets of my identity have definitely influenced my training experience. Um, but, and this sounds a little cliche, I'm grateful. I feel as if I, if I had had a less tumultuous journey, that I would not be so intent on changing those environments and making them more inclusive and making them more safe spaces for training and for development for, you know, women of color like me or just for all students. Um, And so, you know, to an extent, those experiences very much have informed the work that I want to do going forward. And even when I see all of these beautiful black and brown children, um, when I'm volunteering at STEM outreach events, you know, I can actually 
envision what changes need to be made for them to have a better experience than I did. Yeah. Like, so so it's good. It's, it's, it's bad, and it was bad. <laughs> but, it's also, but it's also good because, you know, how can you solve a problem that you've never experienced? This happens, but it's uncommon. Right, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And within those experiences, so, they've they've made you stronger, shaped you into the woman that you are now. So there's kind absolutely. of like you know that spark or absolutely. that light at the end of it all. So um, absolutely, there was actually one more thing. There was a report, and I have to plug it because it's a friend of mine. So um, Terrell Morton is a he got his PhD at uh, last year, a couple years ago. Last year published a report called Black Girl Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about black women in undergraduate STEM education. And so he profiled these 10 black women in STEM programs and heard their experiences and, you know, the skills of white and male. And one of the central themes of that report was that these women saw themselves as being successful and being resilient because they're thriving in a field that, you know, society says they shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. That society demonstrates that they shouldn't be in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there's power in, like, being like, you know what? <laughs> they tried their work, and I still made it through. And not only did I make it through, but now I'm positioning myself to be able to make a difference and change that. So yes, yes. It's really mm-hmm. important. <laughs> Yes, really, really important. And, um, you know, I just want to, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for just sharing your personal experiences, but also like, just thank you for taking the time out to provide resources and just to show representation throughout the community again, because it's really important. And I wanted to say thank you for that again, because I'm like a community activist and there is work that needs to be done within our, within our communities and very, very few people take the time out to really do it. And it's really important because I think that it begins there. So thank you again. No problem. No problem. And I mean, thank you for creating this platform. I know when I saw it and I listened to the first couple episodes, you're doing some really important storytelling. And, you know, storytelling and us telling our stories, uh, women telling our stories and finding commonalities, you know, between very different journeys um, is super empowering and it's really inspiring. So thank you, too. Thank you. And um, audience, in closing, always remember that your story is not solely for you. It is meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing similar hurdles. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share. You are a victor, you are a winner, and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles do not always last. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her. So thank you all again for listening. I'm asking one small favor. If you are empowered or inspired in any type of way, please share. Her story is available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And once again, this is Jay Jameson with Her Story, and we're out.